Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm going to go to a portion of scripture that for me is extremely familiar. I'm sure many of you in this room, um, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you've probably already come across this, this uh, portion of scripture, this teaching. My hope is this, and I'm, and I'm asking you to please resist the temptation that when you hear a familiar portion of scripture, you in your mind, you've not, because you're gonna smile, you're nice, you're in church, but in your mind you're going, I heard this thing taught so many times already, what is this guy gonna show me? I hope you resist the temptation because many times we miss out on some of the most important teachings we need, especially in the season of life you may be in right now. Now, let me just tell you ahead of time. The amazing thing about the Word of God is this, that God operates in principles. And He teaches us to operate in principles. And so when you hear instruction from the Word of God, when you read the Word and it instructs you on certain things, don't look at it as a burden, look at it as a manifestation or a demonstration of the love of God towards you. Because let me put it to you this way, maybe, maybe we can understand a little clearer if I use this illustration. What kind of parent doesn't teach their children? In other words, if the, you, you will educate the ones that you love that are around you. For instance, what kind of father, what kind of mother would you be if you didn't teach your child how to tie their shoes? What kind of parent would you be if you didn't teach your child when you're going to cross the street, make sure you look both ways before you cross? Are you getting the picture here? You would be a cold-hearted, just rotten individual, to be honest with you, if you don't teach the ones you love the most important things they need to know. And so what we're going to see here today, as we go into this, this, this section of Scripture, is a very... Um, important, just right from the words of Jesus' lips himself, that this teaching that we're going to do out of this portion of Scripture is one of the most important teachings that Jesus ever brought forth in his ministry on earth. Now, I know that sounds like, whoa, wait till we get to it. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we are not going to finish this teaching today. By design, I'm not going to finish this teaching today because I'm going to teach this message today the same exact way that Jesus taught it. And you're going to see that it exists in two portions. We're going to concentrate on the first portion today. But again, I want to teach this exactly as Jesus taught it when he was here on earth. I want you to go, if you're on your phones, if you have your Bible, look, or if not, look at the screen. Mark chapter 1. And again he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Let's, let's put ourselves in this picture, okay? Remember I tell you, when you read the Bible, put yourself on sight. In your mind, let's, let's picture, we're, we're down by, let's say, Lavalette on the bay side or Seaside Park on the bay side, Jesus is in a boat and he's pushed off from the coast about maybe 50 to 100 feet because he needs his voice to be magnified 
over the waters so that the multitudes, that there are multitudes, usually when the Bible uses the word multitudes, it's hundreds, if not even thousands of people gathered around to hear what this man is going to teach. Okay? You follow me? Are you picturing yourself there? Okay, you, you got your little beach badge on because otherwise they're going to throw you off the beach. <laughs> then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, he wants their attention. A sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Verse 9, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he stops talking. He says to them, just because you got ears on the side of your head doesn't mean you're listening. And he said to them, if you really care about what I have to say, if you really care about how this can affect your life, if you've fallen asleep, wake up. Because what I have to say is extremely important. And he stops. How awkward this must have been. Because at this point, we need to ask ourselves the question. Did anybody on that beach understand anything about what he was talking about? No. We're guaranteed if we could interview every one of them in eternity. 99.9% .9 of the individuals who were standing on the beach did not have a clue of what he's talking about. And he stops. Peter must have said, this is awkward. John must have said, what's he doing? Isn't he going to finish this? And he stood there and waited. I don't know how long, but I know this. There's a gap between verse 9 and verse 10. And it's, it's intentional. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable when he was alone. How many people were on that beach in the beginning? Multitude. Multitude. He waited to see who's gonna hang around, who's hungry enough, who's desperate enough, who's thirsty enough, who's willing to invest their time to find out what he's talking about. And the sad part about it is, it seems to indicate that the best part of it, the majority of the people, went, wow, um, it's getting late and the sun's getting hot. Hey, so-and-so, uh, why don't we meet at the diner because it seems like 
Peter, come on, let's go to Starbucks. I'll meet you there. Jesus is standing there waiting to see who's going to stay and who's going to leave. And he's operating in a principle that exists all throughout the Old Testament. Church, listen to me. I call that principle, how bad do you want it? And we see it all throughout the word of God. We see it all the word. Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 13. The Holy Spirit, speaking through the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet, says to the people of God, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The majority of those people could not be bothered to seek him with all their heart. Even though they, even though they didn't understand what he was talking about, they satisfied themselves with the fact they showed up that day. Someone probably went home and went, it feels so good. To, you know, it's so good to go to church. I feel so good when I leave. And somebody went, so what, what did Jesus talk about today? Um, I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> the place was packed. You could, it was standing room only on the beach. I don't know if he's giving stuff away. Some of them might have got up that morning and said, hey, listen, let's go. I heard he's going to be at, at the beach today. Maybe he's going to multiply bread again. That bread was really good the last time. Maybe, he's gonna, maybe this time, instead of fish, he's going to multiply steaks. You know, I haven't had a good steak in a long time. Oh, you know what? I remember the last time I saw Jesus, he, man, it was a good show. There was a cripple there that had never walked before. And man, the guy jumped up and was dancing. Let's go see the show. There is this twisted theology that has snuck into the churches. It's snuck into the church culture, especially in the United States. It's even crept into some of our songs. It's certainly, I mean, you can turn on the television, you hear this all the time. People are making tons of money selling books with this one thought, that they portray Jesus and portray God the Father as this neurotic, lonely old man who was desperate for your company and he's going to chase you to get you. I don't see that in scripture. What I see is you will find me when you search me with all your heart. Don't get caught in that trap. Psalm 63.1 says this, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? If you have fallen into the trap of this thing, where you think you can just live your life any way you want, be cold-hearted, be passive, be lukewarm, live your life, and go, because God's going to chase me, you're in for a big surprise because he's not going to go against his word. A lukewarm, passive seeker of God does not get it. Those who seek him with all their hearts will never be disappointed. And listen, church, change only comes to those who really want it. Transformation only comes to those who are desperate for it. Let me, let me very quickly, let me very quickly, I know this is on my notes, but very quickly. 
There is a, there is a chapter in the Bible, Mark chapter 5, talks about three different stories involving Jesus with three different individuals. The story starts out, or the chapter starts out, I should say, with a man who, however this happened, he has allowed demons to come in and just take hold of his mind and take hold of his body. He's called a maniac. He hangs out in tombs. He cuts himself. He's naked. He won't put any clothes on. Jesus shows up. And as much as it tells us later in the story that this man is inhabited or possessed by 2,000 demons, the man is so desperate for change that he still has enough willpower to go throw himself at Jesus' feet. Jesus delivers him. And he's in his right mind. Next, it shoots to a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, hemorrhaging. She's so desperate to get healed that she literally takes her life in her hands to get healed. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, according to Jewish law, a woman who has that kind of hemorrhage, it's illegal, it's against the law to leave the house and be in the public with other people. So she's in her head going, if I stay here, I'm going to die. If I leave, I might die, but if I leave, I might get healed. And so she's so desperate for change that she takes her life in her hands, and she gets healed. The chapter ends up with a gentleman named Jairus. He's a big shot in town. He's the head of the synagogue. That means everybody in the city knows him. Everyone in the village knows Jairus and knows his family. He's probably very well paid. He's well respected. He's got a great position. It's only one problem. He's got a daughter who's 12 years old who's dying at home. Now he knows if he goes to seek out Jesus, it's a good possibility that the religious establishment's going to find out and his job is gone, his position is gone, his salary is gone. But he wants change so bad for his daughter that he's willing to put all that in a line. And his daughter dies. But Jesus comes and resurrects her. All three individuals got change and received transformation because they were desperate and they were seekers of Jesus. They didn't sit home and say, he knows where I'm at. He loves me so much. You know, I'm his favorite. Are you following me? Those who refuse to be denied his presence are the ones that receive the revelation of who he is. You can twist this around any way you want, but if you're going to stay to the scriptures, you cannot deviate from this principle. It's those that are hungry that get fed. It is those that are thirsty that get satisfied. It is those that are desperate that receive change. Can't look at it any other way. How many of you have heard of a man named Saul of Tarsus? Let me see. Who does Saul of Tarsus end up becoming? Paul. But the funny thing is, we never talk about the transition. We, we don't, the Bible doesn't really tell us much more than a couple of sentences here and there about how Saul became Paul. The Bible tells us this, that he spent a minimum of three years in the desert after he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He goes away. Why? Because he needs to find out who this Messiah is. Cuts himself off from everyone. Goes off into the desert to study the scriptures and to pray. I believe with all my heart 
It's because of that experience that he had, whether it's three years, some people would say it's 14 years, and everything in between. Based on that experience that Saul had, I believe that years later, this is what he writes to the church of Philippi. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians chapter three, verse one. For to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. In other words, I love you so much that I'm gonna keep writing the same things to you until you get it, okay? He goes on to bash the religious system, and then in verse four he says, though I also may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that they may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Verse five, circumcised the eighth day. Now he's saying, my family did everything to the letter of the law when I was, from the time that, I'd been, that I was born. Circumcised them on the exact day that the law of Moses said that it should happen. He said, I'm of the stock of Israel. In other words, pure Jewish, pure Israeli. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Now that doesn't mean anything to us, but to them back then that meant a lot. Because the tribe of Benjamin was the most fierce tribe out of all of the nation of Israel. You did not mess with a Benjaminite. They'll cut you. They'll slice you up in two seconds. They were the SWAT team of the nation of Israel. And he's saying, that's who I, that's my people. That's who I come from. A Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. In other words, he paid attention to every detail of the law. He said, as far as being zealous, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which comes from the law, blameless. In other words, every detail. He knew how far he could walk on the Sabbath, what he could eat, what he couldn't eat, what kind of clothes he could wear. Every detail. Completely religious, but no revelation of God. And then verse seven comes. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. Verse 10 is what Jesus was waiting to hear from that multitude on the beach that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. By any means that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. He was waiting for those people on the beach to press on. He was waiting to see how many were gonna stay behind, even in a sweltering sun, even though they might have been hungry, even though they might have been uncomfortable, even though all their other friends were going to the boardwalk or going to Starbucks or going to the diner or going to Wild Wings. <laughs> he was waiting to sit. And the ones who remained are the ones he would invest in. The ones that, listen, this is a tough one today because this is contrary to a lot of what people are preaching on TV and all over the place. There's a scary thing about this whole story. I don't know if you're catching it yet. Jesus stood there and watched them walk away. And there is absolutely no indication in the scriptures that he ever said to any of them, 
hey, hey, guys, where you going? Just, just give me a chance, man. It's just like, you know, come on, come back. Hey, 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 come, hey, don't go, come back. He stood there, and he let them leave. That is scary. He let them leave. You see, these are, not, these are some of the things we don't want to talk about. These are some of the characteristics of Jesus we don't want to talk about. We want to paint him as this, like I said, this pathetic, lonely. <laughs> Why don't you come spend some time with me? He is the master of the universe. This is the one who spoke and stars went into place. And we positioned ourselves in such a way we think we're the center of the universe and he's going to chase after us. Can I remind you of a story in the scriptures? This rich young man comes to Jesus one day, loaded, he's wealthy. Whether he earned it or whether it's old money, doesn't matter, it's his right now. And he comes to Jesus and he puts on this big religious display. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus walks him through some things and finally he goes, I've done this, I've done that, yeah, I've done that, done the other thing. And Jesus goes, oh really, okay. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. And you know what the scripture says? That young man, his jaw dropped, turned around, and it says, and he walked away sad because he had great possessions. And the truth is, he walked away sad because the possessions had him. But did you notice, Jesus doesn't go, um, uh, come back, oh, maybe just sell half. Scary detail here, folks. Jesus let him walk away. This ain't going to be real popular. But if you decide sometime in your walk, and I'm not talking about going to heaven or not. I'm talking about how are you living between the time that you said Jesus came into my life and the time that your breath gets taken away from you? How are you living? Because if you decide one day that you are more content with the distractions of this world, or if you decide someday that, nah, you know what? I did so much in the early part of my walk with God, and you know, I've already learned so much of the Bible. I don't have to read the Word anymore. You know what? I don't have to go to church every week and all this other stuff. Listen. He will let you. Oh, this ain't going to go over real big. Not going to get a lot of likes on this one on Facebook. But you cannot deny the truth of Scripture. And, and think about this. When, oh man, this just hit me. When Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus, if you look at the conversation that Jesus has with Saul, this isn't the first time that Jesus is trying to touch his heart. He says to Saul, oh, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. In other words, I've been after you. And you haven't responded. And you notice now that Jesus has given him one more time. Thank God that Saul did not walk away again. You want me to give you another one? Do you realize that both Peter and Judas had the same mentor? Do you recognize that? Both Peter and Judas had the same Jesus in their life. 
One decided he was going to walk away. The other one temporarily walked away, but came back and repented and asked for forgiveness. The other one hung himself. Now, I know this sounds very ominous and stuff like this, and next week it's going to get a whole lot better. But listen to me. There is no use me teaching this different than the way Jesus did. And let me give you some key scripture here. Let's go back to the sea guy. Let's go back to the beach, everybody. Go back in your head in the beach. Verse 10. I'm going to repeat it again. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. Verse 11. And he said to them. And he said to them. To who? To, to the multitude? To the multitude? No. To who? To the ones that remained with the 12. He responds, and listen to what he says. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. You imagine what Jesus' heart must have been like. Because he wanted the entire multitude to learn the mystery of the kingdom of God. But he understood there is no use me speaking to a group of people that do not care. This, this is a tough one, yes? Come on, come on, admit it with me. This is a tough one to swallow. But scripture, isn't it? We don't like to talk about this. We want to talk about the seed. We want to talk about the four soil types. And we're, we're going to talk about that next week. But Jesus intentionally thinned out the crowd. And to the ones who remained, to the ones who placed value on the teaching, to those people, he explains. They walked away with the mystery of the kingdom. The other ones walked away having been entertained. When you come to church, whether it's this church or any other church you go to, don't you dare settle for being entertained. You better make sure that you set yourself up that you place value on whatever is being taught, because you, those people had no idea what they walked away from. He was telling them the basic foundational truths of how the kingdom of God operates, and they were satisfied to walk away without the revelation. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked, and he told them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not see and perceive, hearing they may not hear and understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. In other words, in other words, they say in this, it's only the people that are thirsty that are going to get it. It's only the people that are hungry that are going to get it. He's expecting us to invest something. He's expecting us to have something in this not to just be entertained. Psalm 14, two. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. What was Jesus doing? He's looking to see, are there any that understand? Are there any who seek God? Because those are the ones that I'm going to give understanding to. Those are the ones that are going to get it. Those are the ones who are going to walk away with some truth and some knowledge. James chapter 4, verse 8 goes completely in the face of this, God's going to chase you because God loves you 
and he's just going to continue to chase you. James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God is actively looking for those who are seeking him, regardless of who they are, where they live, what they do, what their lives are about. He's looking for those who are going to seek him. And when we make the smallest change, the smallest cry from our heart to know him, then he looks like it says here from heaven. Oh, wait a second, there's one. There's one. There's one. Oh, there's one over there who are seeking, who are hungry. Now, let me set you up for next week. But when he was alone, you remember those around him, they asked, he said to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom. The most important verse of this entire portion of scripture is in verse 13. Look at this. Now to those, to those who stayed, the disciples, whatever, whoever of the multitude stayed, this is why he is stressing the importance of this story, this parable, this teaching. This is what he says to the disciples and to those who stayed. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, if you don't get this, nothing else that I teach you is gonna matter because all the foundation of the way the kingdom of God operates is in verse one through eight. He threw it at them raw. And then he stood back to say, okay, who are gonna be the ones that is gonna be worth it for me to invest in? Who are gonna be the ones that could care less? They just showed up. And when all of those others sifted out, Jesus then begins to tell the disciples, you need to get this one, guys. Because if you don't get this one, you won't understand anything else that I teach. And then he begins to explain verses one through eight. And that's what we're gonna pick up next week. But I got a question for you. If you were on the beach that day, which group would you have been in? Now we wanna say, no, pastor, I, right, I don't care how hot it was. <laughs> but, but let me throw something, now listen to me, please before God, what I'm about to say is not to try to offend anybody, not to hurt anybody, it is to raise a level of awareness and to stir up our remembrance. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? How desperate are you? Do you remember the days when you first came to Christ and you came to church, whether it was this church or whatever church, and you sat on the end of the chair with your notebook? And you had pens in case one ran out, you had another one. You had highlight markers so you could highlight stuff in your Bible so that when you went home, you picked up where the minister left and you continued studying. How many of you used to go to midweek service, then come Saturday night, then show up Sunday morning because you know, you know, it might be a little bit different teaching. How many of you, it was a non-negotiable that on Sunday, your family was going to church. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? How desperate are you? You've got to ask yourself this question. Have I grown cold 
Do I have the fire that I had when I first knew him? Stand up, everybody. I do not have a lot of time. I don't know how long of a time period was between verse 9 and verse 10. I know this. He stood there and let them leave if they wanted to. But let me ask you this question right now. Look, I know you can't sit in a teaching like this and just be oblivious to it. And especially, especially, if you've been in this thing with the Lord for any length of time, you realize something's cooled off. And it's inevitable that even in that state, when you read the Bible, you're like, man, I remember when I used to get so much more out of this. Yeah, because you were hungry, and you were thirsty, and you were desperate. And it shouldn't have, yeah, we're all get like that when our back is up against the one when there's a crisis. But crisis should not equate with devotion and passion. Now, I don't have a lot of time. We've got another service to do after this. Can't drag this out long. But I'm saying this to you. If you understand, oh my God, this is me. And, and, and I don't want this to go any further. And I, I don't want to get any colder. And I don't want to miss out on anything. Without any hesitancy, get out of your seat and come up here right now. Everybody up here, just raise one hand up to God. Say this to me, Father, this day, I present myself to be on fire again. Whatever you need to do in my life, whatever you need to do in my heart, do it. I want to be on fire again. I want to be hungry again. I want to be thirsty again. I want your fire again in me. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how many friends I lose. I don't care how long I have to stand. I want your fire again. I receive it with thanksgiving in my heart. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is now free to move in my life. I yield to the dealings of the Spirit of God. I want your fire again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now stay here. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person here. Every single person here that, 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 that knew that they had to respond, Father. I pray for every single one. I pray that this prayer that they have just said be sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you strengthen them for what's up ahead. I pray that your presence becomes alive to them like never before, Father. And that people will see the fire of God in their lives once again. I trust you to do this work in every individual here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen. All of you there said that you're, you're satisfied with your hunger. You're, you're at a good hunger level, right? All of you there declared that you're the ones that would have stayed on the beach. You wouldn't have walked away. Then expect to see every single one of you here next weekend. Every single one. Well, you know, Pastor, it's summertime. No, it's going to be summertime again next year. Okay? You need to be here next week to hear the teaching. This was all. This weekend is just to prepare us and to position us to hear. Those people that left were not positioned to hear. You now have declared that you're hungry. I will see you next week.
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dismiss. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.